Warning, this episode contains foul language and very spooky Halloween stories. Hi, weirdos. Ashley here with Keep It Weird. Um, sorry if I sound like a nightmare. As most of you know, if you follow us on social media, I've been dealing with a horrible cold. Um, I went to Southern Illinois for a Halloween wedding, a Halloween costume wedding, which, yes, it was as cool as it sounds, Penny. But it was 30 degrees, and it was uh, 100 degrees in Los Angeles when I left, and of course, naturally, I got extraordinarily sick. And that is why part two of the Halloween episode is late. That's why the $15 Patreon is late. That's why the Halloween challenge kind of (laughs) fell off there at the end. That's why our newsletter didn't go out. Anyways, I just wanted to... Hi, Penny. Anyways, I just wanted to um, give a quick apology. Um, As you guys know, we've never been late with an episode all season. Our whole first season, we haven't been late with a single episode. So, of course, the week of Halloween, we're super duper late. Thank you so much for continuing to support us and listening to us. The season is coming to an end. We only have a couple more episodes left, uh, but we promise to make them really super fun and do some fun stuff to end the year. Enjoy the episode. Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with one of our friends and talk about something weird. Mm -hmm. And this week, just in case you haven't had enough Halloween, it's Halloween Part 2. Halloween Part 2, infiltrating your November. Infiltrating your November. We're taking we're taking November head on with uh, some more Halloween. Sorry, not sorry at all. At all. I'm Ashley, and this is my co-host, Lauren. Hey, weirdos. Uh, it's just us today again. Technically, it's the same night we recorded Part 1. It is. Isn't that crazy? The magic it's of technology. Uh, but we're so excited <laughs> to share... Some spooky Halloween stories with you. Last week we went over what is Halloween? Where did it start? Where did all these traditions come from? What's our favorite Halloween memories? Our favorite Halloween songs? Our favorite Halloween movies? Etc. Etc. And this week we're bringing you the spooky stuff. Spooky, spooky. We didn't want to scare you too much. Yeah, I feel like it was very light last week for the most part. Very fun memories. Yeah, fun memories. A lot of. A lot of laughter. This week will get a little darker a little bit because, darker. unfortunately, people like to use the holiday of Halloween to do some messed up shit. Messed up shit. Boop, boop. That was a good hard shit. T at the end. Um, <laughs> hello. Hi. Welcome to Keep It Weird. Halloween the podcast. Part two. Halloween Part 2. We are a pumped. Uh, a super pumped. 
So some stories that I actually wanted to share last week, but we kind of ran out of time. I actually do have a very creepy Halloween urban legend that is true. Oh, what? Who, where? Why, when? So the urban legend that people were poisoning candy or sticking pins and razor blades inside candy is based on a fact. Yeah. But not quite what you think. In fact, virtually all of the unknown candy poisoning incidents involved parents who poisoned their own children's candy. Oh, that's awful. Which is even more fucked up than a stranger yeah, poisoning I was candy. Say, so it's much worse. When your kids, obviously your parents check all your candy. Any mm. candy that's been opened or like handmade candy, like get out of town. Do not right. give me that gets taken away by your parents. Or if you're like my mom, she's like, this Kit Kat doesn't look this doesn't look too right. good. I'm going to, I got to yep. take it. Gotta my taste mom it. always inspected my <laughs> candy when I was little, but it was more like, oh, this looks a little weird. And then she'd run away with it. But it was a huge urban legend. It went everywhere that people would poison people's candy, uh, kids' candy when they trick-or-treated. That actually really didn't happen. There was one uh, dentist, I believe, I think he was a dentist, who... Didn't poison the candy, but did put, like, X-lax, kind of, in the candy. What a And made kids have guy. diarrhea. What is, like, what is the point? There okay. is the Candyman. Dun, dun, dun. The real-life Candyman killer was actually an optician named Ronald Clark O'Brien. Ronald came home from... Hi, Gabby. Hi, Gabbers. Hello. Welcome. Hello, black cat. She knows we're talking about Halloween and she's a black cat, so she's in. She's in theme. So, optician, Ronald Clark O'Brien. Ronald came home from work and took his kids and their friends trick-or-treating. According to the kids, the children ran ahead of Ronald at one point, abandoning a house that was taking far too long to answer the door, and when he caught up with them, he was holding five giant pixie sticks. Of course, the kids tried to eat them right away, but he promised to distribute them evenly when they got home. They got back home late, so Ronald got the kids ready for bed. His son Timothy asked for a treat from his bag of candy, and he chose the enormous pixie stick. The sugar had stiffened in the tube, so Ronald rolled the candy between his hands to loosen the contents for Timothy. The child hurriedly poured the powder into his mouth, but it tasted awful, and he asked for Kool-Aid. So Ronald went into the kitchen to grab him Kool-Aid, but before he could get back, he immediately started vomiting and convulsing. When the ambulance arrived, they found Ronald holding Timothy as he foamed from the mouth. He was pronounced dead at the hospital less than an hour later. So Timothy died from a fatal dose of cyanide. There was enough cyanide in the top two inches of the pixie stick to kill two adults. Jesus. Thankfully, the other four pixie sticks remained uneaten. Ronald sobbed as he hypothesized that an unidentified monster must have handed out poison candy to trick-or-treaters. And this obviously started a panic. The police interrogated the entire neighborhood where the kids went trick-or-treating and still couldn't find the source of this poison candy. Almost everyone in the neighborhood threw out their kids' candy. Wouldn't sure. let them eat any of it. The ruined Halloween. Ronald was beside himself after losing his son, especially since he was already having such a horrible year. He was $100,000 in debt. He was eight months behind in car payments. He had had 20 jobs in the last 10 years and was struggling to keep his current job. Oh, and before I forget to mention, 
He also took out a $10,000 life insurance policy on his children earlier that year. Interesting. And then an additional two $20,000 life insurance policies on them less than a month before Timothy was poisoned by a quote-unquote stranger. And it seems weird that mere hours after Timothy's murder, he called to collect the policies he took out. Oh my god. So, uh, what a he, piece of shit. he ended up going to jail. And, oh, good. uh, was not treated very nicely in jail by the inmates Other either. Inmates. Yeah. Good for them. For killing his own son. That's terrible. To collect the life insurance money. And ruining Halloween for a lot for of so children. many other families and scaring the crap out of everybody in the town. Yeah. Just, like, panic for no reason. That's so sad and awful. I hate it. I hate it. I, hate it. I know. That's the real life Candyman. So that one actually Yikes. is based in fact. Actually, they do talk about it uh, in more depth in the documentary Killer Legends. Killer Legends is an awesome documentary by the same guys that did Cropsey. Mm-hmm. And basically they go Cropsey. and they investigate four urban legends and they get to the bottom of the first incident that started the urban legend. So they did the Candyman with the trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. They also do Killer Clowns. Yes. They also do like the Lover's Lane, the Hook the mm-hmm. madman with the hook. Oh my gosh, I heard um, that story so much as a child. I can't remember. Oh, and then they also do the babysitter getting a call from inside the house. Ah, yes. that, yeah, the hook and the babysitter story that like, would be, ruled my childhood. Those like, two documentaries would be really great to listen to, or watch, I'm sorry, watch yeah. during Halloween. That's true. It kind of mm-hmm. goes along with the Halloween movies that we watch. Those are the docs to watch yeah. during Halloween. Hey, hey I know it's past Halloween now, but... I know. Hey, yeah. you can still do it. It's still early in November. You're fine. Oh. Oh, little cat fart. <laughs> Just kidding, it wasn't. Um, well, I have a murder story, uh, which, Ashley, I think you actually read this one, so I'm sorry you have to hear it again, because it's so sad. But um, this is the murder of Martha Moxley. In 1975, in Greenwich, Connecticut, amongst beautiful mansions and perfectly... Kept lawns mm-hmm. and just lots of rich Very families. affluent neighborhoods. Yes. Um, the body of Martha Moxley was found on a cold Halloween morning. The discovery completely shocked the town, um, mostly because of the town that it happened in. Mm-hmm. Martha had been beaten with a golf club so hard that the club had completely shattered, and then she'd been stabbed in the neck with one of the jagged pieces that came off of the That's club. That's insane. Insane. It is so hard to break that golf club. Then, her killer had dragged her about 80 feet and dropped her off in her own backyard, which just breaks my heart. All eyes immediately turned to 17-year-old Tommy Skakel, the nephew of Senator Robert F. Kennedy. According to reports, Martha had been out with her friends the night before Halloween, and they'd all gone to a party at the Skakel's house. Tommy had left the party with Martha late at night, and she never made it home, even though their houses were only about 450 feet away. So the police had their suspect, but they were never able to make a conviction, and the gruesome murder remained a cold case for over 16 years. That's insane. But in 1991, renewed investigations into the Moxley case brought it back into the public, and it still wasn't until 1998, 23 years after poor Martha was murdered on Halloween, that the killer was named. It was Michael Skakel, Tommy's brother. Michael was a huge-ass creep. 
Once upon a time, he had climbed into Martha's window and masturbated outside of it. Why was he not a suspect 16 years ago? Amen, Ashley. Amen. Like, people knew about this masturbation story, so I don't know why he wasn't looked at more, especially because he was related to Tommy, and Tommy was thought to be involved. But um, he was completely infatuated with Martha. He stalked her um, and masturbated outside on her tree like the gross asshole he is. And in 2002, Jesus Christ, Michael Skakel was finally convicted of the murder by a grand jury. But guess what? In 2013, Michael Skakel was granted an appeal and he was released on bail. However, I did. I looked it up. 2016, back in jail. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was so they mad. They overturned when I read that the line. conviction. Good. Uh, or the appeal. The appeal. Yeah. They convicted him again. Thank God. Yeah. Are, like, so are you kidding me? Away. Of course that should be life. Can you imagine, like, getting away with murder for 16 years? And then going to jail for it, and then getting appealed, and then going back to jail. Going for back the same in, like, what a like, roller coaster! All right, just fine. I'll just stay here. Like, I, know, I feel I'm like at done. that point in 2016, when you get arrested, that's when you're just like, all right, all right, all right, well. all right I'm staying. <laughs> but so gross, and just poor Martha, like having a fun time with her friends on, on Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? So awful. I so can't. yeah, it was pretty gross and sad. What do you think, Gabby? Gabby, weigh in. <laughs> Gabby, what do you think? She looked what right at you, you like, should I, should I say? Oh my gosh, I have to tell you. So the other night we were watching uh, The Exorcist 3. Mm-hmm. We actually Your did it back to back. We did The Exorcist and The Exorcist 3, which I've never done before. And boy, oh boy, was it enjoyable. Because oh, in The Exorcist you get to see, what's the priest's name? Mm, not Marin. We can't go down Not Karis. Yeah, we can't, we can't do this. It'll be bad. But you get to see the priest and the cop meet Kinderman and, and the priest start their friendship and that and then carries in, into three right yeah and then yeah. in the exorcist three it's you know it's 15 years later and they are now like best friends right and they've been friends since well that would be fun to see them back so to back. it is nice to see them you first are the start biggest their friendship. promoter of that film i so love that movie I so much i know oh i'm watching God. the exorcist tomorrow night as my halloween Do you movie want to borrow the exorcist i know i'm kind of like should i turn it on after everyone else will go home but i could sit and watch you it. could sit and watch it i will tell you it is a new experience watching it right after the exorcist okay do I you like have that. first of all you're watching the exorcist tomorrow night mm-hmm. do you have the version the version you've never seen like the newer version but the one that doesn't have my favorite part uh-huh. i think so i just rented it off of amazon okay make sure it's the right one but how do I know? Like, because, would it say? Yeah, it, it would say. It should okay. say. Like, it would say this is, like, remastered uh-huh. or... Okay. Yeah, I didn't even look. I was just like, Exorcist, two ninety nine. dollars It probably is. Most of the versions you can find these days are, like, the version you've never seen, which they still call it that, even though it's, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's seen it now. Everyone but has seen it. Okay. that's the one you should watch. If you watch The Exorcist, you should watch the remastered one where they add in all the scenes that they took out. Because it's so uh, yes! Oh my god. I actually want to talk about Half Hanged Mary. Oh yes. Do you know the story? I don't. And you mentioned this earlier and I've been so excited. Well, have you read or seen The Crucible? Yes. Okay. So um if you have, the students read a poem based on the true story of Mary Webster, who was accused of witchcraft in the sixteen eighties. The poem Mm. is written by Margaret Atwood, who also wrote Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. So, in western Massachusetts in the 1600s, Mary Webster was not very well liked by her community. She was a crass and cranky, 
Uh, she spoke her mind. She wasn't married. She was poor, and she wasn't religious. So, you suck. not a good, not a good look for a woman in for a lady. Massachusetts. There are also many rumors that Mary Webster helped women in her community get rid of unwanted pregnancies, and also helped men with their sex drives. But of course, people are awful, and when push comes to shove. The town ended up condemning her by accusing her of witchcraft and got her arrested and sent her away to Boston, uh, but she was acquitted and returned home. Now, did you watch Penny Dreadful? Only, like, the first couple episodes. Oh, okay, because there's a character, I believe, in season two who is based off of Mary Webster. Oh, okay, that's fun. And it's fucking wonderful. So it's not supposed to be her, but it's... I don't believe they call her Mary Webster, okay. but it is. It is it her. It is her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's a witch in the town that mainly helps women with abortions, mm-hmm. and and she provides men with you know different medications for, and, and they turn on her right. eventually. Okay. She was acquitted and returned home. One year later. The village elder became deathly ill, and the townspeople blamed Mary because they claimed they found odd things and witnessed strange activity in and around the man's bed while he was sick. So they thought it had to be witchcraft. Uh-huh. And she was the town witch. So, a handful of young men broke into her house in the night and drug her outside in the snow, threw a rope around her neck, and hung her from a tree. When she finally stopped moving, they cut her down and they went home. But... Mary did not die that night. She got up, dusted herself off, and went right back inside and went on with her life. She lived for almost 14 more years after the attempted murder. No way. She did not die, but that night, the town elder did. No way. Yes. What? I know. That's crazy. She's the best. She's, She's awesome. the best. That's so they call so her cool. half-hanged Mary. Right, now I get hung. it. She, they thought she was dead. They cut her down. Then she laid there in the freezing cold all night. And then she's just like, got I'm all right. Oh my gosh. But then the elder died. died. Um, what a bad bitch. One of the coolest things about Half-Hanged Mary is that one of her descendants is believed to be Margaret Atwood. Oh. And The Handmaid's Tale, the book, is actually dedicated to Mary Webster. Oh my gosh. Who is like, uh, I don't know if there's any proof. Margaret Atwood believes her to be. An ancestor of hers. Okay. So, but no one knows if that's true for sure. I but. couldn't find anything. And that'd proving. be very cool. Because the thing true. is, is it doesn't seem like Margaret or Mary Webster had children. Yeah. So, so then it's like, how? She couldn't really have descendants, but it could be something where like Mary Webster had a sister who had right. children. A sibling. So it's just like a, cousin, a family line something. or yeah. something. I mean, that would be very um, cool if she's yeah. related. My gosh. That's a cool story. I know. She's my favorite witch of all time. Yeah, she's <laughs> legit. She is a bad bitch. She tried to hang her she's and like, leave her Not to today. She's like, nah. Not today. I don't um, think so. I'm going to head back inside. Yeah, I'm actually going to go back inside. The story <gasps> that right. is told is very much so like she got up, dusted herself off, and went back to work. Like, just start cleaning her house. And also, if you want to read a cool poem, I don't have any excerpts from it right now, but um, for Halloween, the poem, oh, I can't think of what the poem's called. Is it called Half-Hanged Mary? Anyways, the poem by Margaret Atwood that they read in the Crucible about her is really good, too. I love it. It's basically broken up by, like, 
you know, 6 p.m. when they break in right. to, like, hang her. And it's, like, you know, uh, 9 p.m. It tells you, like, everything that's happening to mm-hmm. her throughout the night and throughout the morning. And Ooh, I like it. It's pretty crazy. I'm into it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Want to hear some more murder? Yes! <laughs> um, God, yes! Oh, God, yes. So, this is titled Peter Fabiano Murder. That's not a fun title, but just uh, <laughs> that's who we're talking about is really what I should have said. The story called this is titled Peter Fabiano Murder. <laughs> okay. Peter and Betty Fabiano were getting ready for bed when they heard the doorbell ring on October 31st. Oh, no! Uh, 1957. It was just after 11 p.m., which was a little late for trick-or-treaters, but Peter reluctantly headed downstairs and grabbed the candy bowl. It was Halloween, after all. After all. What was one more kid? But when he opened the door, Peter got the shock of his life. On his doorstep stood a grown woman in blue jeans and a cheap mask pointing the bottom of a paper bag at his chest. I wonder what's in it. What could be in there? (laughs) Upstairs, Betty Fabiano heard a loud pop, then the screech of tires as a car sped off outside. Racing downstairs, she found her husband on the floor in front of the open door, gasping for breath and blood pouring from a gaping wound in his chest. He was dead before they reached the hospital, which is very sad. Police were completely confused. Peter Fabiano worked as a hairdresser in the San Fernando Valley. Hey! He had no enemies, at least no one that would hate him so much they want to kill him. So it was just like completely puzzling everybody. But the deeper they looked into the crime, the more twisted it all became. What? The story gets crazy. Two weeks after the killing, police nabbed Joan Rabel, a 40-year-old woman who'd once been employed at Peter's salon. For some reason, she had been... She was lying about being out the night of Peter's death. But not all liars are necessarily killers, so even though she was caught up in a lie... (laughs) Even though she got caught up in a lie, the cops had to let her go because of lack of evidence. Then, a month later, an anonymous caller directed police to a rented locker in an area department store. Inside, they found a 38 revolver, which investigators matched to the bullet that was lodged under Peter's heart. The locker wasn't being rented by Joan, though. It belonged to a woman named Goldine Pizer, who worked at a local children's hospital and actually had zero connection to the Fabiano what family. So, like, right what? Now. The clues were there, but none of them made any sense. Until Pizer began to confess. She couldn't take it anymore. Turns out, Goldine, Pizer, and Joan Rabel were lovers. For months, Rabel had told her about a man named Peter Fambiano, who she would call evil and vile. Rabel would entertain Pizer with sickening stories of Fabiano and the way that he abused his wife. And before long, Pizer began to hate this man, too, who she had never even met or come in contact with. She agreed to help Rabel kill him. With Rabel's money, Pizer bought a gun. Rabel drove to... Um, Rabel drove to Pizer's house. No, sorry, I spelled so many things wrong, but I know what I was trying to say. <laughs> Rabel and Pizer drove to the Fabiano's house, and Pizer had the gun shaking so hard that she had used both hands to steady the revolver, and then she finally put a bullet in Peter's chest when he opened the door to give her candy, which is even more sad that he was like offering candy. But why would Joan Rabel spend months putting this idea in Pizer's head of the hatred of this man enough to kill him? Simply put, investigators looked even deeper. Rabel had also been sleeping with Peter's wife, Betty. Another lesbian affair. And it seemed that she was trying to just get Peter out of the way. At their trials, Rabel pleaded not guilty and Pizer pleaded insanity. Both agreed to a plea deal for second degree murder and life in prison. Jesus fucking Christ. Wait, okay. 
Was the wife in on it at all? And are we sure? Uh, she didn't get in trouble for it, but I'm sure she was. It seems like it. But it seems like it. Because, like, her story was just sort of like, I heard a, a pup and I a car it, and then he was know. dead. But, I mean, she didn't get in trouble for anything. It was just Joan and Pizer, so apparently she had enough, a I good enough story. I guarantee she had something to do with it. She may not have been in on the planning, but I sure. guarantee she Maybe had she an know, like, idea yeah. of who did it to him and didn't say anything about it. Yeah, I'm sure she just never oh said Joan's God. name, but I'm sure her and I Joan I want to see pictures of it. these people. I know. We'll look them up after this, we and maybe we'll to. post them. But yeah, like, just the story just a, twists that is and a, turns. That is a movie. Yeah. That's a movie that if I watched, I'd be like, this is so unbelievable, I can't watch it. I don't know, it was weird. Like, a That's department insane. store locker, like, this woman who doesn't know them, a lesbian affair. Like, it just goes and goes and goes. And It'll be a movie, and the cop will be like, Morgan Freeman. Yes. I see it now. I see it now. The little, like, director. What did I do? <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, that story is absolutely what insane. I know. Yeah, it's funny, like, after hearing all that, that you have to be like, and it was a Halloween story, because the murder did and happen on Halloween. And also it but... happened on Halloween. Right, but like, That's so cinematic, twisted. like, seeing her, seeing him open the door for the trick-or-treater, and seeing her in the but, cheap mask, and right. the gun in the bag, and, oh, right. I'm gonna make that movie. Yeah, you should. If anyone wants to fund it, I've never directed anything, I'm... oh, that's not true, I directed... A short film, a zombie movie in college for my post-apocalyptic literature class. It was my final. And the music was incredible. The movie was awful. It was like a found footage zombie movie Mm -hmm. um, about this group of kids in college, obviously, who end up getting stranded together and kind of like the shit that happens to them. And it's mostly they slowly starve to death, and it's actually pretty. Oh God! Yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, yeah, that's like there's rough. like happy moments where like they, you know, it's like the end of the world, and they're, you know, but they're dealing with it, you know. But you like slowly see them start to like lose people to zombie bites and zombie whatever, and like a new people come in that like rock the boat and then eventually everyone starves to death and it's really sad well shit that is dark and so depressing <laughs> and it's really good except i had no lighting equipment no yeah. microphones no nothing i just made it on my mom's like handheld camera and so it's not like top quality yeah. you can't see anything you can right. barely hear just a anything. bummer because the story yeah. sounds fascinating so anyways if anyone wants to fund my uh peter fabiano murder which yes, is what i'm please. calling the movie i know uh peter fabiano murder you have to always the peter say fabiano it murder. That that's a lifetime movie yeah, i was gonna say that is a lifetime title lmn let's do it hey it took me a minute lifetime movie now yeah. <laughs> so i have a story this is, I am all mixed up because we've got two episodes here. All mixed but. up in the game. What? Well, I mean, I liked it. But. Thank you. Okay, I think I'll go with this one. So this is actually a listener uh, listener story sent in to us. It's not really Halloween, but it did happen this Friday the 13th. That counts. Which it's is in the October season Friday and the 13th. Yes. So... And I have two stories back-to-back. One is longer, one is very short, but it's sort of the same theme. So I'm going to read them together. Um, So I'm going to read this message just as is, and I I don't have a name for you, and you'll find out why. 
Basically, he starts by saying he's been meaning to message me about some stuff for a while for the podcast, but today something happened that I truly can't explain. Feel free to use the material if you want, but of course, but please just remove my name from it. No pressure to uh, share it, but if you want to. And I too. So, today is Friday the 13th, which should have been a red flag right there, but I didn't think anything about it. Instead, myself and a few family members went to some stores so that I could hopefully find a new laptop. Staples was out of stock for what I wanted, and their delivery time was seven business days if I ordered one. With that in mind, we ended up just going to Walmart, the second red flag, to see if the, what they had in stock. Dear I love that. I know. Like, second red flag. I would never uh, go to Walmart, Walmart. on Friday the 13th. Yeah, that I sounds think. like a fucking nightmare. I don't want to go ever, but if I'm forced. <laughs> so... We were in the electronics department for about 20 minutes looking at stuff. I decided to go ahead and just purchase a laptop there. He goes on and on to say, like, why you need a laptop right away. Eventually, he's paying, right? He's at the register with his mother. They're both facing out from the register, looking at the aisle, which is in front of the electronics section. As I am paying, I spot a short man walking by who's only about five feet tall. He had long and ratty black hair and was stocky in his build. He was wearing all black and looking away from me. As he passed by, I watched him, and he looked over at me, making direct eye contact. But his eyes were completely white. He lacked pupils and irises entirely. My very initial reaction was that he was perhaps blind, but he looked directly at me. Also, he was walking quite confidently without the use of any assistance. I glanced down for the briefest of moments, looked back at him, and without any change in motion, no change in stance, no nonverbal differences, his head did not move positions, he suddenly had normal eyes and was watching me very intently as he passed by, even keeping eye contact with me until he passed out of sight. I've obviously heard of black-eyed children, and this kind of falls into a similar vein. I've never experienced anything like it. Admittedly, I have quite a high tolerance when it comes to seeing strange people or seeing odd things, but this was different. It was just so weird. Immediately, I leaned over and hit my mom on the shoulder and said, That guy in black, I have to tell you about him. She replied, Yeah, both of his eyes were all white. I couldn't even look at him. Later, she asked me if I thought he had just very light gray eyes, and I told her I was close enough to him that I only saw white, not a hint of anything else. As you know, I have experience in FX makeup as well. To my knowledge, there isn't a trick to switching out eye contacts without physically removing them, and his arms were to his side the entire time. My glance away from him lasted only a second as I looked down at my cart and back to him, which wouldn't nearly have been long enough for him to even raise his hands. What the fuck? What? Excuse me? (laughs) What? If I saw that? I would lose my marbles. My oh marbles would be gone. I, I don't know if I'd be able to even speak or like no make any movement or use motor skills. I would lose all ability. Yeah, and especially to have it backed up by your mom. Who's yeah, like, yeah, mom be like, yeah, just see away. that. Because the thing is, is if I saw that, I would immediately be like, oh, I imagine that. His sure, eyes were wide that's the what first I was time. thinking too. Like he could have been seeing mm-hmm. things, but the but fact that his mom was like, oh yeah, did you like, see yeah. those? nasty white eyeballs yeah Woo! so i have another story that's in a similar vein and then we could talk about both of them so 
This one uh, was sent in. Last year, I went trick-or-treating, and I rang on the doorbell of this one house. No one answered, but the light was on, so of course I rang it again. Through the door window, I saw an old lady peeking through. The creepy part was her nails looked like wolf's claws, and her big dog was growling. The lady literally barked at her dog, and it stopped. She, she stared at me with beady eyes, and I ran. Hello? So, that was on Halloween? Yeah. Like, he oh, trick she's trick-or-treating. Trick yeah. He or she. I don't he know. was trick-or-treating. What the fuck? And saw an old woman with claws. Old woman with claws. Her dog was barking. She, she barked, barked at back. her dog. The dog stopped barking, and she looked back at him trick-or-treating. She was, like, looking through the window and he said she had like really beady little eyes, and he just was like, "Fuck this!" I and would, ran away. yeah, I was like, I would sprint away. <laughs> what? So, what if the guy in the electronics department of Walmart was also a shapeshifter of some kind? Could have been. And was like coming out of a shapeshift. That's with the one eyes. thing about. Uh, that's one thing they say about shapeshifters and like lichens and werewolves is that their eyes have. Uh, well, their eyes are like, you know, you know, like a cat and a wolf. When you shine a light on their eyes, they glow. Right. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So do you think that woman was a werewolf? I don't know what that woman was. I mean, that I don't want to know what that shit. woman was. What? Like, to hear, like, an actual bark, too. Or not just, like, yeah, a... Yeah, to hear, like, bark like, at that. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. That's terrifying. Yeah, I agree. I think they both could be shapeshifters. Like, what else? What is going on with their eyeballs? Mm-hmm. Ew, I hate it. Are those from the same guy? No. Two different guys. Two different guys. Just making sure. Also, both from Illinois, though, which is fun. Great. Um, We're all going to die. It reminds me of, we talked about this movie last week, and by last week, I mean an hour ago. It reminds me of uh, Anna Paquin's storyline in Trick or Treat. I was thinking that. Hers is my favorite, and it's such a surprise. If you guys watch Trick or Treat, we won't spoil it for you, but pay very close attention to the dialogue that's happening. The first scene where you're following, like, the 18, 19, 21-year-old girls Mm -hmm. with Anna Paquin. Pay attention to the dialogue. Listen closely. Listen closely. And then later in the movie, just can, love uh, your life. Love your life a little bit more. Yep, that's very true. There are little subtle hints, and it's so awesome. Yeah, it's oh my God, so I love it. obvious. Uh, but it wasn't to me the no, first time. No, it's not. Yeah, I like didn't I know. when like the scene at the end happened, I was like, Whoo! I, loved it. <laughs> I loved it so much. That was such a fun surprise. I love it. Everybody, go watch Trick or Treat. Everyone, watch Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. There's supposed to be a new one, you know. I feel like you told me that, or did, mm-hmm. we might have talked about it on. Well, they, well, they were talking about something. making a sequel, like pretty much right after that one, because it became time. like a cult classic. No one right. really saw it in theaters, but it became a big movie, and now it's like a huge movie. Everyone loves that movie, and um, but they made Krampus instead. Uh-huh. Which here's the thing: could have been great if it was rated R. That is exactly what I thought. I remember seeing the trailer for the first time, and I saw PG-13, and I was like, well, I don't want to see this bullshit. I was like, okay, I want to see people get ripped to shreds. That's the thing, is, like, there was this scene in Krampus, I'm not giving anything away, there's a scene in Krampus where you see this, like, the chubby kid going for a piece of candy, and it, you know, he's going for this piece of candy that's um, dangling off a sharp hook, and you're like, oh. It's gonna be good. Yes! 
this fat kid's gonna get ripped in half and it's so exciting and then all that happens is like the chain with the crazy hook on it gets swung around him and like he gets pulled by the chain and it's like come you're like, a horror it's a movie hook. It should have gone into his stomach it's and a ripped movie. him I'm up sorry. to I his brain. I understand that like PG thirteen gets you a wider audience, but an mm. R rated movie gets you a longer lasting audience. And just like hearing the legends of Krampus, not, like you yeah. you know that it has the chance to be like gory. Oh and my crazy god! And fun. I thought it was gonna be, and I really wanted some like cursing. There was yeah. a little bit of cursing, but Ooh. I should have been. R. I wanted yeah, Missed I wanted it, it to be Missed rated R. If it was rated mark. R, that would be an every Christmas movie. That kid would have Bought gotten on DVD. ripped in half. Yeah. Well, yes. That's what I want. And I would watch it every year. But I doubt I'll watch it again. Because it wasn't... Um, I'm just going to keep watching Rare Exports, the best Christmas movie ever made. What's that? Uh, it's terrifying. It's a s- Finnish? Is it Finnish? Or Icelandic? Swedish? It's a foreign film. Okay. Called Rare Exports. And it's about the real legend of Santa Claus. Okay. So it's a horror movie. It's a but horror it movie. takes place around Yes. Okay. And it's wonderful. Okay, great. I they like horror Christmas seriously. movies. I yeah. think that's fun. Yeah. Like putting a disgusting twist on uh-huh. such a happy holiday. Yeah, it's wonderful. You should watch it. Nice. It's Rare great. exports. Rare exports, yes. It's hard to find, but oh, if you find I'll it. I'll hunt it down. <laughs> Some more murder. My yeah. last. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> I have two more stories. They're pretty short compared to the other ones that I read, but still some Halloween hell. Okay, so this is the Lisk family, I believe is how you pronounce it. Devin Griffin woke up like he would on any other Sunday, woke up nice and early to go to church on October 31st, 2010. He was staying the weekend at his father's house, and before church, he stopped by his mother's to grab a shirt to change into. It was about 9.30 a.m. The only person he saw around was his stepbrother, B.J. Lisk. B.J. greeted Devin cheerfully and asked how long he'd be gone. A question that struck Devin as odd since he and B.J. didn't get along and never really talked. But he shrugged it off and went to church anyway. After church, Devin came back home and played video games for a while. B.J. seemed to have disappeared and the house was uncharacteristically quiet. Figuring he ought to go wake everyone up because it was 1.30 p.m. at this point, Devin went into the master bedroom and saw that his mother was still in bed with her husband, William Lisk. The blanket was over their heads as if they were trying to shut out the afternoon light. So Devin started talking, hoping to rouse his mother, and when he got no response, he finally walked over and pulled the cover down. And the bodies were those of his murdered mother and her husband, William Lisk. Police were over to the house immediately after Devin finished his panic attack and called them. And as they started to investigate and uncover everything, the story came to be that sometime early that morning, William Lisk Jr., whom the family calls BJ, the stepbrother, had shot his father in the head five times. And then he turned the gun on his stepmother, which was Devin's mom, and shot her and then beat his stepbrother, this is a different brother, to death with a claw hammer. Which I don't know what a claw hammer is, but it sounds terrible. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just the, the other side of the hammer, right? So okay. Like oh, the, hammer, the claw part? The claw part. Ew, yeah. that's awful. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Before beating his... So, the mother and father died, and then he beat his stepbrother with a claw hammer. 
And the mother and stepbrother to BJ were Devin's mother and actual brother. So that was like his direct bloodline. And then the dad was his stepdad, but BJ the killer's dad, if that all makes sense. So like Devin and BJ didn't have any relation, but were living together. BJ's a crazy. BJ was later picked up that day, thank God, at the family cabin and taken into custody. He was found guilty of three murders and sentenced to life in prison. Wasn't too much of a debate over that one, but... Yeah, what the fuck? What was his reasoning? They don't know. Halloween? Just like when, you know, Halloween tricks. I don't know why I can't remember, but where was the stepbrother? He wasn't home? Well, Devin had gone to church, so he didn't hear anything. I'm guessing... Oh, I guess. Okay. I'm guessing the other brother had been home, but probably heard the gunshots came running in, and BJ was like, here you go, it's time to die. I forgot that he went to church. Okay. Yeah, so Devin missed all this. He came home and started playing video games and was like, why is the house so quiet? Why would my mom and stepdad still be sleeping? Yeah, so I assume BJ was... I mean... Devin said, I don't get along with BJ and we never talk. So it seems like he was kind of an outsider, probably didn't love the marriage of these two people, didn't like the step family. So I assume that combined with some mental illness resulted in that murder. Resulted in family murder. Yep. On Halloween. Yikes. I know. Um, Have you heard of, so this is another urban legend that ended up, you know, it actually did happen. The Halloween decorations that are actual people? Nope. What? How? Why? Where? (laughs) It's happened a couple times. So the biggest one was in 2005. A 42-year-old woman in Delaware committed suicide by hanging herself from a tree across the street from a residential area. People thought she was Yeah, though the body was easily visible to passersby and passing vehicles, no one called the police for hours because they assumed the woman swaying in the wind was a Halloween decoration. That is so sad. It also happened, oh, I don't remember the years or the places on this, but it also happened to um, a man had a heart attack and fell and died on his porch. And was left there for days. Even the mailman, I don't know if he was in like some sort of something that looked like a costume. I don't know. But even the mailman had come and put mail in the slot and like stepped around the body thinking it was a Halloween decoration. And it was a person. And then there was another guy who was working a like haunted hayride type situation. Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to like hang basically like he was like a hanged man okay and he had performed the stunt several times and this one time it messed up and he accidentally hung himself and this hayride went up and he was supposed to like give a monologue or something like come back from the dead and give this monologue and he wasn't and like the operator of the hayride knew immediately like Like, oh oh, no something's wrong and like ran out and tried to resuscitate him and called the police so all these people on this hayride actually saw a kid dead hanging how traumatizing if you're on that hayride like you're watching them try to revive him Mm -hmm. and going through all of that oh my god i can't even imagine i can't i would not be okay for a very long time no i can't handle it holy buckets oh guys it's taken a dark halloween path this week (laughs) my goodness um i have one more final murder halloween story This is Taylor Van Deest story. On October 31st, 2011, 
quite it's insane. It's weird that these all take place on the same it's day. It's really, it's really interesting. <laughs> October 31st, 2011, a pretty young zombie left her house in Armstrong, British Columbia, looking forward to a night of fun. This zombie was Taylor Van Deest, an 18-year-old student, and she was planning to meet up with her friends to go trick-or-treating, which, that was an interesting start to the story because you're 18, but maybe it was like adult trick-or-treating. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, she never made it to meet up with her friends, but before she went missing, she sent a text message saying that she thought someone was following her. Oh, God. And that is the last anyone ever heard from her, unfortunately. Hours later, Taylor was found beside a railroad track. Her head was bleeding, and there were bruises around her neck. She died later in the hospital. The brutal murder shook the small-town community, and police were quick to nab a man named Matthew, named Matthew Forrester, who confessed in tears after a two-hour interrogation. The exact details of the attack are a little hazy, and even after the trial, the details are not concrete, but Forrester did claim he only wanted to have sex with the girl. He said he'd followed her to a lonely part of town and then attacked her so that he could subdue her and have sex with her, which is awful. She was... Resi- Jesus, was that on your door? I don't know. I'm going to ignore it. Yes, please. I'm scared. <laughs> I don't like it I when there's like a it. knock on my door and it's dark outside and we're talking about a murder. I know, as we're literally talking about murder. Go on. So Forrester grabbed the girl. She resisted, of course, so he grabbed her by the neck and pushed her to the ground. At that point, Forrester either bludgeoned her with a flashlight or ba- bashed her head with a metal pipe. Ugh. He then left her in the dirt and fled to Ontario, where police finally did track him down. Forrester was convicted of first-degree murder and received a life sentence, which I must say the good news of all of these stories is that everyone received life sentences from all these stories. That is, like, the one silver lining that at least there was justice. But Jesus Christ, which, again, like, these stories are so sad because Halloween is supposed to be this fun thing. And in Mm -hmm. each of the stories, it's like, oh, trick-or-treating, or they thought a kid was at the door and they were handing out candy, or this girl was dressed as a zombie and couldn't wait to meet her friends. And then... This creepy guy who wanted to have sex with her thought he could have his way. And yeah, and rape her and that. beat her to death. Yeah. And now Halloween's ruined for every one of her friends and family. I know. Oh my gosh. And being the friend that got How that text, you? too. Yes. That, like, um, Taylor thinks someone's following her, and then you don't hear from her ever again. Like, oh my God. It's really sad because she was alive when she was found by the railroad, but then, I mean, she died shortly after, so I don't think she really stood a chance, but. It is sad that she was found barely alive. Yeah. Yeah, so horrible. So this is a really fun Halloween episode. Um, I know. <laughs> Please tune in to part one if you need to smile. Jeez. Oh, you can go back and forth. <clears throat> well, I have a spooky story. Oh, is this going to, like, make people happy? Are we no. liking Oh, okay. Just wanted well, to see actually, where we're at. Well, actually, kind of. This has a happy ending. Oh, okay. okay, so this was sent in. My mother-in-law was a very funny and cool woman. She and my wife were really close, and sadly, she passed away on Halloween when our son was about four months old. Flash forward a few years. We live in an old 1930s-era craftsman house in Pasadena, California. Our son is about three at the time. I was giving him a bath one night, and he starts looking over my shoulder, not at random stuff, but at something. A moment passes, and he asks me why Grandma calls Mommy a funny name long pause. I asked him what he meant, thinking he was talking about my mom. He then says, why does grandma call mommy? And then he doesn't say. He says, uh, my mother-in-law's nickname for my wife. 
I was really set back by this. My wife and I never used that nickname. It was just what her mom called her since she was a baby. I asked him where he heard that, and his reply was, the farmer told me. I asked him who the farmer was, and he replied, his friend. I tell my wife the story later, and she's of course reduced to tears over the whole nickname thing. We both know there's no way for him to know this, and we just kind of marvel at it. Flash forward to the next weekend, and my son is playing in his room. My wife is at work retail, and I'm at home. I work Monday through Friday. I hear him start talking like he's having a conversation. He's saying things like, yes, no, I don't know that, then some laughing. (laughs) I go into his room, and I ask him what he's doing, and he says he's playing. I ask with who? He says, the farmer. Yikes. At this point, I'm already thinking about the fucking exorcist and Captain Howdy. It's a little unsettling. I ask him where the farmer is. He says he left when I came in. What the fuck? So my wife gets home, and I tell her this, and now she's just as weirded out as I am. We have no idea what to do, and uh, figure if it happens again, we'll have to do something. A few days later, in the middle of the night, we both overhear our son saying the following. Grandma says you and I can't be friends anymore. My wife and I go in to check on him, both of us a little freaked out, and he's just sitting up in bed. I ask if he's okay, and he says, yeah, Grandma says I can't play with the farmer anymore. He never once mentioned the farmer again, not ever. He's 13 now and doesn't remember any of it. Oh, what? My God. Ew! I can't. Who is the fucking farmer? Who's the farmer? And what does does Granny know something about Granny the farmer? Granny probably knows She's something about it? the farmer. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hated it. You said it was a happy it ending. It does. Grandma ran that bastard out of yeah, there. I guess Grandma you're right. was like, Grandma saved "Don't the talk day. to my grandson." You're right. You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. Um, but so it didn't I really happened really on Halloween. But she it. passed away on Halloween. So that it made it a Halloween story for sure. Good connection. Um, don't what? enjoy that. Don't like it one bit. <laughs> Can that you imagine is why if I ever walk in on my kid going, yes, no, I don't know. I'm going to be like, uh-uh, who? Who this? Who are you talking to? Who this? Who that on your bed? Like, I'm going to, I think we're going to have to move immediately. Because yeah. you see scenes like that in horror movies all the time where little kids are like, oh, the poltergeist. I can't play with you. I know, oh I mean, God. perfect example. Yeah. But then, like, so many movies have copied that. Yeah. And it's just like, I get chills even seeing it in the movies. And if my own freaking child was uh-huh. doing that in the room, like, I, we'd have to go to a hotel for the night. Then we'd start looking for a house immediately. It would have yes. to be like an escape, maybe to a new town. <sighs> maybe a new country. Just, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll a new country. We'll, well go speaking up to of kids. What? Your sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my sister, I even, I was going to say last week, but I guess since this is a two-parter, two weeks ago I shared a story about my sister. Which one was that? Oh, she thought she heard her husband Alex say her name when she was in the shower and he wasn't home from work yet. Right. Um, and earlier that day, one of her candles had turned on on its own. So she shared that story, like, literally just recently, and then texts me again tonight and says, so Alex and I, her husband, were both in the kitchen cutting Tag's nails. Tag is their cute little kitty. And she, both of them, and this is what makes the story weird, because Julia has paranormal experiences a lot, but Alex, her husband, never does. Like, ever. He's had weird dreams 
about his dad, which I think I've shared on here before. Yeah. Like, he'll have a dream and then, like, the guitar will be moved or, like, stuff they think is attached to his dad. But nothing, really. He, they both hear, clear as day, a woman's voice say, Josie, which is the name of their new baby girl who is only three months old and sleeping upstairs. They run up to check on her because they both look at each other and it's that immediate, like, you who heard. Who is in the house. Yeah, like, they looked at each other immediately and were like, you heard that, right? And so they run upstairs. She's fast asleep. No one's in the room. Like, she wasn't bothered. She's sleeping. Everything was fine. They have no idea what it was. Uh, but they both heard it. Like, looked at each other immediately and were like, you heard that, right? When she heard someone say her name in the candle, had Josie been born? Yeah. This was just, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. So we, we were saying that. earlier that I think, like, babies being born can bring paranormal mm-hmm. into the world. And my sister already is sensitive to it, as I've mm-hmm. shared. So I think Josie's bringing in I some think it can, spirits. Uh, it can increase activity. For sure. Um, because of the energy of a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. And also, like, we talked about. A couple episodes ago in our last, uh, I think it was Ask a Weirdo, we talked about the reason maybe people who are sensitive to the paranormal see the same spirit in multiple places. Mm -hmm. It's because they're drawn to someone who's sensitive to them. They're drawn to a person who can actually see and communicate with them. And children are more sensitive to that stuff. So Josie's so, bringing it on in. Yeah, so, so to have a small child who is more sensitive, maybe can see mm-hmm. whoever it is. Maybe it is Alex's dad. I know. Who's like they now there because there's, you know, his, his granddaughter's there. Right. So and he is there because he's like, oh, I wanted to see my grandbaby. Mm-hmm. And I'm already kind of latched onto this house because my son lives there. And so I yeah. feel like he has just been hanging out. Which I, Julia will even agree with that. Every time she tells me a story, I'm like, do you still think it's Alex's dad? And every time she's like, I really do. Can't explain why. It just really feels like it's Alex's dad. Especially because Alex had, like, the dream about his dad. And they woke up to the guitar that Alex's dad gifted him being, Mm -hmm. like, on the floor. And there was no way it would have fallen on its own. So it's like, I do, in that case, think it's Alex's dad. Which is sort of a fun attachment. Because they love Alex's dad. And he's hanging out. But... They heard a woman's voice Oh, tonight saying Josie. That's the first time I think it's been female. So who that, that is a twist. Who that? Who that? <laughs> who that is? Who that? So yeah, we don't know who this female is. And I think that's why my sister's freaked out. Because normally she'll share the story and we'll kind of like have like a joke along with it. Like yeah. this happened. I can't believe it. But in this text message, she was like, oh my God, what on earth? And oh my I can't God, believe what Alex do I heard do? it too. So she's like kind of having a panic attack right now. Which, Julie, you're not going to hear this for like three more weeks, and we may have found out more stuff by then, but I'm so sorry you're going through this <laughs> Sorry experience. you're going through this. That's terrifying. So I don't have anything else, really. I did want to bring up um, to you, just while we're on the subject of Halloween, did you know about uh, my college town, about Carbondale canceling Halloween? No. What year? I mean forever it's been canceled they have not actually yes i did know that because my cousin went there which Mm -hmm. we've talked about before and i feel like i told him i wanted to come visit him and he was like well we don't have halloween yeah i was like who so southern illinois university carbondale carbondale siuc uh canceled halloween in i believe it was 2000 they canceled it um bars are not allowed to be open on halloween night Restaurants, some restaurants, I think some restaurants do, but most restaurants aren't allowed to serve alcohol on Halloween night. 
And uh, there's a reason. Um, it was outlawed in my college town for almost 20 years. So Jesus. in 1996, mobs of several hundred SIU students on Halloween broke store windows and threw rocks, bricks, and bottles at police in re- uh, a repeat of a traditional pre-Halloween revelry. So this was not the first time it happened, but this was like the time that put an end to Halloween. Mm-hmm. Partygoers tore down street signs and destroyed barricades before the police dispersed the crowd with pepper spray. At least 27 people were arrested. Four police officers were injured. The windows of about eight businesses were broken, but there were no reports of looting. In 1994, about 2,000 people stampeded through the streets, overturning two cars, breaking several windows on the strip, which is Highway 51, Uh and police made over 100 arrests that year. Then, in 2000, another group of about 500 people marching, ripping up street signs, knocking over wooden barricades. They also tore down a railroad crossing gate. So, Halloween was completely canceled. Uh, we ended up, we, when I attended, we had to have unofficial. I was just going to say, so, I remember hearing about unofficial because yeah. U of I did that too. I don't know. I don't know if U of I has quite the same stories that Carbondale does, but I think... Because U of I is like a very small, like college, like Champagne mm-hmm. uh, is like a very small, like literally just college town. It's just like all bars in the college pretty much. And then like sorority and fraternity row. Like they, I think just like police were scouring the streets and they like really cracked down on Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. So all the college students would celebrate the weekend before and they'd call it unofficial. And it became such a term of like, you go into unofficial. Yeah, unofficial. Like, you dressing up for unofficial. Yeah. And it was like, what? Because like, we still had Halloween in Carbondale. It's just you had to do it at like a, a house, house party or right. whatever. But they were, I mean, police were, cra- if you had a party, you better be staying at that house. Right. Like yeah, police yeah, yeah. were crazy around Halloween. Sure. The, they lifted the ban in 2015, so they've gone two years without major incident. Or I guess, yeah, two. So 2015, yeah. 2016, yeah. this will be the third year that the ban has been lifted, and they actually have bars open on Halloween. But basically, Oof. it's a party town, first yeah. of all. People 100%. drink very heavily, and Halloween is, you know, especially there. It's not too cold, but mm-hmm. it's so cool out. So basically, it's like there were just block parties right. that would get out of Control. So out of hand. But Carbondale, this tiny little city in southern Illinois, is is like a huge place for riots. Mm. In the 70s, during the Vietnam War, right after the Kent State shootings, over 400 arrests were made. Uh, over $100,000 of property damage was done on the streets. Jeez. And uh, 400 arrests, and the National Guard had to come in and restore order. In Carbondale, Illinois. No idea. It was kind of crazy because there's one building. It's called Fainer. I think it's still there. It was still there when I went to college, but it was built in the 70s. And they built it riot-proof. So it was very confusing because this building is super long, right? Super long, two stories. But you couldn't get from one end of the building to the other end of the building inside the building. You had if to go you, outside? You, you had to go through certain doors to get to certain places. So, okay. like, if you had a class on second floor, I don't know the room numbers, but say, like, 301A, which is second floor A, you had to go into a specific door to get to that classroom. The other doors would lock. It was riot-proof, so they couldn't storm the building. 
There was no way to start. Which I get why they did it, but that's so obnoxious for the students. Oh, yeah. I mean, once you learned it, once you were like, this is the door I enter for this class, and then I have to exit through this door. Once you figure out the Rubik's Cube, you're good to go. It's like, Jesus. I remember every year, I was only there for like four semesters, but maybe five, five semesters. But I remember any time I got a class in Fainer, I was like, no! I can't Someone do it. show me the way! Draw me a map. <laughs> Lead me around. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Man. Anywho. Good times. Good times. <laughs> that's about it for us today. I believe you don't have any more Halloween spooky stories, I don't. do you? I'm all out. Yeah. And I'm tired. Right. I'm hungry and my throat hurts. There were so fine. many Halloween stories. <laughs> like, this could be a three hour oh, episode. Oh, God, but, I know. Uh, we I need to drink I cut water it and off. Go to sleep. Yeah, I cut it off after um, the ones that were sent in and the ones that I found. I was like, eh, that's yeah. a plenty. <laughs> right. um, anyways, we hope you guys had a really good Halloween and um, you were safe and you didn't get murdered and you didn't murder. Oh, yeah, so. please don't be a murderer. <laughs> Hope you guys um, had a good time. Ate some candy. Ate some drank candy. Drank some beverages. Hope you celebrated some Dia de los Muertos. Oh, yeah. This will be November 3rd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Dia de los Muertos was yesterday and the day before because uh-huh. we learned last episode. We learned. That it's the first and second of November, which is really exciting. For the little angelitos and the <laughs> adults. <laughs> anyway, so... We want to give a very sincere thank you for joining us for our Halloween episode and for listening to our show and donating to our show if you're a patron and giving us the gift of feedback, um, the gift of tagging us in your pictures, sharing links with us, and sharing our show with your friends. We are more than grateful. Um, This whole year has kind of been leading up to our Halloween extravaganza we've been doing a lot of fun stuff this month we did like a halloween challenge that we're participating in we are filming our seance next Next week week. our halloween games we're so excited a seance and a um uh we're gonna be playing bloody mary we're gonna be dealing some tarot cards uh tyler uh our guest from journey to the bermuda uh bermuda tyler rather and, and the cult episode. The cult. Uh, Cyan Tylergy. Uh, will be joining us with his boyfriend, Ryan. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. Um, that's going to be for $15 and up patrons. So um, if you want to get access to that video and all of our former uh, video, past, you know, $15 and up patron videos, uh, you can donate to our patronage at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast podcast you can donate a dollar five dollars ten dollars fifteen dollars uh the site will tell you what you get for each uh increment of money follow us on instagram and twitter at keep it weird cast and our facebook page keep it weird um and we don't know what we're doing next week because this is like three weeks away and we are not that far ahead so So just like something will be there it'll be fine it'll be fun we only have after this we only have like three episodes left of the year like in 2017 oh yeah because so, then we we take our little breather yeah, before we start season two. So, Oh my gosh we're really um, winding down we're winding down we got so some crazy. fun stuff coming up though um we've got a we just found out today about a fun video project oh. that we're doing um with another uh small little business so it's exciting stay tuned and 
When hinges creak in doorless chambers And strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls Whenever candle lights flicker Where the air is deathly still That is the time ghosts are present Practicing their terror with ghoulish delight I love when those heads are yes I love like that I love when the hand is um, it's such a good effect it's like lifting up the coffin or when you go past the window and you can see the candelabra Uh floating floating around Ah! and sometimes the little dog zeros in there yes is that his name Yes. Zero. Yes. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound right. Anyways, anyway, I mansion. I uh, keep it weird. Keep it weird. <laughs>